Scripture reading tonight is going to be 1 Timothy 1, verse 18. 1 Timothy 1, 18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Good evening. It's great to see you tonight. You may have noticed an individual sitting next to me, and he may be a stranger. He is not strange, even though he was sitting next to me, all right? Says a lot about him. Eric Trigestad is with us. That name may be familiar, Eric Trigestad, because he's the president and CEO of the Christian Chronicle magazine out of Oklahoma. He has been married for 18 years. He has two daughters. One is 13, and he had the privilege of baptizing her into Christ last week. I know that's a special thing for any father. And he has a daughter that's seven, so think of the five-and-a-half-year difference where you've got a teenager on the one hand and you've got a seven-year-old the other. Our prayers are with you and your wife, Eric. Eric was speaking at a sister congregation dear to many of us, the church at Ira Ann, earlier today. He preached there. He did an article for Christian Chronicle on the church there at Ira Ann. I guess a couple of years back now, I remember seeing that, and I appreciated it so much, and he contacted me and said, Hey, could we get together? I said, come on by. We would love to have you at our services. So Eric is with us tonight. I think that a Texas burger and shake are going to be required from me at a later point, though. Good to have you, brother. When it comes to life, we have got to show that we belong to Jesus every day. Sometimes that can be difficult. Sometimes that can be challenging. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Timothy. I think that Paul is helping Timothy and so many of us to see what it means to be a Christian day in and day out, just faithfully serving God. There are six chapters in our English translations in 1 Timothy. Let me just give you a thought from each one, and then we're especially going to focus on 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, in a lesson I've called Charge. And somehow you can think of da 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 Charge. When you think about being a Christian day in and day out, it is always a doctrinal matter. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. When we talk about God's will, when we talk about doctrine, when we talk about instruction, 
Timothy is being admonished, and we are today, charge them to teach no other doctrine. 1 Timothy 1.3. Look at chapter 2. When you think about being a Christian day in and day out and being faithful to our awesome God, it's always a worship matter. A worship and praise matter. When you really stop and think about it, a lot of the truths that we have to live by daily as adults, we can learn a lot from children and pew packers. Amen? The B-I-B-L-E, Jesus loves me. And so many of the songs that the children sing. Look at chapter 3. In living daily for our God, even when challenging and difficult, it's a leadership matter. 1 Timothy chapter 3 is all about this issue of leadership and biblically qualified elders, shepherds, and deacons, special servants in the Lord's church. Look at chapter 4. The word that I hope that you'll remember as you try to live every day for our great God, the idea of doctrine, the idea of worship, the idea of godly leadership, now the idea of ministry and service. Every Christian should seek to be a good minister of the Lord. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6. Now look at chapter 5. Word to remember. Relationships. Christians are about relationships. Relationships with one another in God's family. Relationships with people who are our neighbors who may not know Jesus. Relationships with lost people. It's amazing how many lives can be touched by a congregation of Christians over the years. And the difference that might make in view of eternity. Chapter 6. The word to remember is the word godliness. Godliness. You see, in the heart of every Christian... I hope that there is the heartbeat that desires godliness. Paul wanted God's people to be godly. Look at 1 Timothy 6, verses 3 through 5. The doctrine that accords, that's in harmony with godliness. Look, if you will, at a few verses later in verses 6 and 7. That godliness with contentment is gain. Great gain. And then look just a few verses later at 1 Timothy 6 and verse 11. A number of things are to be pursued by God's people, but right up toward the top in this list, this catalog, follow after, pursue godliness. No matter at what point we are in our life, and Carl talked about the transitions of life. If we faced life on a regular basis, a daily basis, with all of its difficulties, struggles, and transitions, holding to God's instruction, 
having a heart full of praise and worship that looked to godly leadership for strength and guidance. If we were people that were into ministry and service and good relationships with others, and if we were people that stressed godliness, I've got to think we would be a people that honored our Lord Jesus, just like Paul was encouraging Timothy. Now look, if you will, at 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. You can really divide these verses looking at 18 and 19 and then the second part of 19 and 20. And when you think about 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, think of the word warfare, warfare, to fight the good fight or to war the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1, 18. And then, when you look at 19 and 20, think about failure. A failure to do what he had positively instructed everybody to do. And he gives a couple of examples. Paul doesn't often call names, but he's capable. When people are really going astray, he's able to be strict and firm in dealing with things that are deviations from God's ways. And in this passage, he mentions Hymenaeus and Alexander who were delivered to Satan that they might be taught not to blaspheme. And notice what he says about them. They made shipwreck of the faith. It's almost as if he's thinking of soldiers and sailors. Soldiers in verses 18 and 19 being the right kind of soldier. And sailors need to have the right kind of direction and compass. And tragically, Hymenaeus and Alexander lost sight of that. Imagine being out on the sea during the time of Paul, and he knew a lot about traveling by sea, didn't he? But imagine being on a ship where the compass was dirty and no longer worked properly, or where the magnetic pull of the compass was not accurate and led them astray. I suspect that happened, don't you, at times to people who traveled by sea. God's will is our compass on a daily basis in making decisions on which way to go in life. Look at 18 and 19 with me a little more thoroughly. In the English Standard Version from which I am studying or preaching from. You'll see the word charge. I charge you. And it's a good translation of the particular word. Go back to verse 3 of chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1, 3. Charge them or command them to teach no other doctrine. That may be what you've got, but it's the same word, charge. Look at verse 5, and here it is again. Charge, the idea of a serious, sober type of reflection and thoughtfulness is being given here. 
the end of the charge is love. He goes on to say, pure heart and sincere faith. That's verse 5. And really, if you were looking at the first seven verses of 1 Timothy, and then you went straight down to verses 18 through 20, it fits perfectly like a glove in one's hand. You read 1 through 7, and then if you didn't have 8 through 17, and that's a rich passage, but if you just went straight to 18 through 20, because Paul is dealing with some matters that he comes back to in 18 through 20. But you've got in verses 8 through 17 some rich stuff. And I preached on 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17, and God's grace and mercy. What Paul is telling Timothy is this. God's grace and mercy have seen me through in my ministry and my life as a Christian, and they will you too. And really what he's saying is God's grace and mercy will see us through in our Christian lives too. No matter what difficulties we face, what transitions, what troubles. I charge you. I have entrusted you. I've committed to you at verse 18 and 19. Something that's precious. And the idea is this. Just like soldiers would be watching precious cargo. Watch Jesus and his gospel. And count it as precious and beautiful and delightful. And care for it with every ounce of strength you have. It's also the idea of entrust or commit, it sounds like a financial term. It's pretty good to know that when you put money in the bank, it's there and can be withdrawn if needed because there have been times throughout life when you couldn't. So I have entrusted or committed to you a great task, and this has come along by prophecy, he says. You might jot in your Bibles a passage like Acts 13, 1 through 3, where Paul and another great servant of the Lord were blessed by the elders and had hands laid on them, separated they were by the Holy Spirit for a noble work, the missionary journeys. Timothy was known in the early church for being a special servant. He just had a great heart and great character. Acts 16, verses 1 and 2. And there are passages throughout First and Second Timothy that refer to prophecies that were made and how that the elders laid hands on him as a display of their confidence in him and the work he would do in the Lord as well as Paul himself imparting some miraculous gift, I believe. He refers to Timothy as his child or son. Oh, the relationships that we can have in the Lord. I appreciate Carl praying for 
David and Brianne and for Troy mentioning that in the announcements as they go to work with the church in Mathis, Texas. This is something he'd been thinking about for a long time and the more he thought about it and the more he prayed about it, the more and more he wanted to preach. Eric, he was baptized in this building by his father, as was my daughter. And it's because of people like you that I can rejoice because family have encouraged them in the walk with the Lord to this point. Thank you. Thank you. My child, my son, that's encouraging. When you've got Paul as kind of your father in the gospel, you have someone you can look up to who can encourage you. Timothy needed that, it seems, and I think we often do. Notice what he says. He says, war the good warfare, fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Like a good soldier, remember your commander-in-chief, 2 Timothy 2, verses 4 and 5. How do you do that? Notice the next two expressions, holding faith and a good conscience. How do you war the good warfare? Objectively holding faith. Subjectively having a good conscience. You know, when I was younger, I used to hear preachers and teachers talk a lot about conscience. It seems to me that it's not preached about or talked about nearly enough anymore because what conscience is is a moral compass a moral compass that speaks to us about what's off center and not right or what's straight on directionally holding faith and a good conscience are really critical essential to fighting the good And then he goes on to talk about two brothers that failed here. He says they rejected. They rejected holding faith and a good conscience. Fighting this good fight. Why in the world would anybody do that? Because it's difficult sometimes and it's hard. That's why. And the struggles, you just get tired and worn out. When you think about Hymenaeus... He is mentioned again, it seems, in 2 Timothy 2, 17, as teaching that the doctrine of the resurrection was passed already. Alexander, well, Alexander was a pretty common name in Ephesus, just like it is nowadays. To call somebody Alex is pretty common. But there is an Alexander the coppersmith mentioned in 2 Timothy 4, 14, who greatly opposed Paul and his teaching. Don't know for sure if these are the same two people that are mentioned in 2 Timothy, but they may well have been. But notice what it says about them. They pushed aside holding faith and having a good conscience, and they made shipwreck of the faith. 
Paul would go on to say, I delivered them to Satan. In other words, he, he said that the church needed to practice church discipline. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 5. And this is where a person is allowed to kind of go the direction that they've chosen to go so that they can see how wrong it is eventually and be ashamed and come to their senses. That's what the Bible teaches in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 14 through 16. Ideally, any time church discipline, withdrawal of fellowship, as we often call the subject, is practiced, a person should be made to realize how wrong they were and they think about making their life right with the Lord. Notice what else is said. I delivered them to Satan that they may be taught not to blaspheme. That's a word we don't use very much. Blaspheme. It means to speak against. By the words and by the behavior of Hymenaeus and Alexander, they were speaking against Jesus and his gospel. That's serious. May God give us the strength to hold to faith and a good conscience as we live for the Lord from day to day. Charge. What a charge. Sometimes we talk about a charge being given and it's this kind of pronouncement. I'm really concerned about you and your future. A charge. That's what Paul is doing to Timothy. But he's also giving us a charge too. May our words, may our thoughts, may our actions show that we love and serve Jesus. Always. And when they do not, may we go to God and ask Him to forgive us. Thank you for listening. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. And it may be that there's someone here that realizes as a Christian, my thoughts and words and actions have not really shown how much I've loved and wanted to serve Jesus lately. I have hurt the Lord. I've hurt the church by that. We'd be blessed to pray with you if you would like for us to pray for you and with you. It may be that there's someone here that's not a Christian and through faith repentance and baptism one can become a member of the body of Christ one can become a soldier in the Lord's army a citizen in God's great kingdom it's the best decision one will make in life it impacts eternity it makes a difference now I hope you'll do this if you haven't, just as a young 13-year-old girl did and her dad had the privilege of baptizing her. I can't count all of the dads through the years and moms that have gotten to see their children baptized here at Westside or at a camp or at some church function. But aren't you glad they made that decision? Let's stand and sing.